All right, today we are in the book of Corinthians. All right, who wrote the book of Corinthians? Paul. Um, Paul is one of the few that does not have much people um, debating on it. Uh, of course, there's always going to be that person, right? But uh, this, in 1 Corinthians 1, it says, Paul called to be the apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God for the brother. Right off the bat, Paul says he's um, the, uh, the uh, apostle. 2 Peter 3.16 says he's the, apostle, the one who wrote this. Uh, Clement of Rome which uh, was the first uh, pope, I guess you could say, in AD 95, said that Paul wrote this. Second century figures such as Ignatius, Messiaen, Irenaeus, which we will cover some of these names uh, in our church history segment, though I'm going to have to cut out a few of them uh, just because it gets too much for you guys. In a <laughs> um, I do love going through the church history material. Uh, it's been fun as I started going through it. Um, first and second Corinthians together make up the longest, the lengthiest communicate to any single place. The Romans is the longest single letter. First and second Corinthians, two separate letters, but it makes the longest communique that we have to any single place. Um, both books, especially 1 Corinthians, all about the church. Um, I know when I uh, joined a house church in, in New Mexico at one moment, um, the first sermon series they preached through was Corinthians. As they discussed what a church was, how it should be, what they should do. Um, what the messages should stand for, because Corinthians is all about the church. First Corinthians, um, not so nice to this church. Second Corinthians, a lot nicer. Um, Paul, when he wrote First Corinthians, uh, apparently responding quite harshly in many points to some things he's heard, maybe even some letters that he had received. Um, What do you guys know about the city of Corinth? I don't know what the next one. Um, there we go, yeah. Corinth. A lot like California is today. Just, how, how so? <laughs> Amoral. Not concerned about the affairs of God, Absolutely. <laughs> no Bible said. <laughs> I like that. The first Californians. Okay. I'd never heard that, but I like it. <laughs> I might start stealing that one. Um, Corinth is the largest first century city in Greece. Um, the capital of the province of Arcadia, Achaia. Um, 40 miles west, uh, west of Athens, it's a major shipping and trading area. Thus, it was important for 
social uh, aspects, cultures are exchanged there as the, 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 they trade. They also, not only do they trade in goods, they trade in ideas, traditions, languages, religions. In port cities, this is where things start. We even see that kind of stuff in the United States today. In port cities is where ideas are traded. I mean, think about where the big cities are and where um, some of these ideas get traded, like Portland and, and Seattle and, uh, and L.A. and uh, New York. And we even have some inner, inner because of airplanes, we have inland port cities, but it's the same kind of idea that, like, um, you know, that the, these places where uh, ideas are, 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 are traded because of, um, of the, um, um, because of the, the port city, you know, because, and that's, and so Corinth is one of those important cities because of all that. Corinth also has a sizable Jewish community there. Um. So when Paul is writing this, these are most of these are actually Jews who had become Christians, followers in Christ. And then plus, and then of course that's part of the problem is you've got Jews who had become Christ, also Gentiles that had fought college to Christ in one area. And every time we start seeing a problem between the two different groups, um, something that we'll see throughout history is... People, Jews and, and Christians, even those Jews who follow Christ, the Hebrews and the Greeks and the Gentiles, and the, a lot of animosity that develops between these groups, and, and we'll see it throughout history as they, do, they divide and, and fight. And, um, Corinth um, because of all the trade that happens in the city. They also had a lot of temples there. Um, the main deity of Corinth would have been um, um, Venus, uh, the goddess of sexual love and beauty, um, goddess of the garden. It was, um, and that'll actually come to play um, in the book of Corinthians. And some of the arguments that we have about the book of Corinthians spurn because she is the main deity. So we have some arguments that we'll talk about here in a little bit, but uh, about how do we interpret this passage, certain passages, because of this cultural thing that's going on. What's Paul trying to say? And people take it different ways. But um, like uh, David was saying, uh, it's a city full of uh, immorality. Uh, Corinth, um, well, it was a sailor town. You know, what, what does that mean? Um, there, there was red light districts all over. Um, Prostitution in the city of Corinth is, uh, well, prostitution is the oldest uh, profession that we have record of. 
And um, in the city of Corinth, you have both secular and religious prostitution. Um, Secular being what we think of when we think of prostitutions. Religious being um, you could sleep with someone from the temple to promote fertility in the in your household and your uh, lo- uh, your crops or or whatever else. Um, the worship of Venus um, being a goddess of the garden, you know, and the goddess of love. That's one of the things they took place on in the temples of Venus was um, sacred prostitution, you might say. Um, now, in the Roman world, um, Rome, in many cases, becoming like we are today. It's all about pleasure. We don't, you know, it's all about what can I get for me? How does it pleasure me? What's the best for me? And um, and with all this wealth, and made it all about pleasure. You have a city that is known for being amoral. Christianity in Corinth, um, I guess Paul arrived in Corinth during his second missionary journey after preaching in Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, and Athens. Um, So Paul was probably one of the first ones to bring Christianity to the area and preach the good news. Now, when you think of 1 Corinthians, what's the first thing you start thinking of? Love chapter, that's a, a wonderful uh, example in there. That's, that's one, of the, that, you know, one of the things that gets quoted a lot, isn't it? This is what love is. Yeah, love is patient, love is kind, love is without ending, without... Of course, we often don't understand what all that means, but... <laughs> but um, it's, that's one of the most commonly quoted... Uh, passages, you know, people, well, you see that at Valentine's Day. You know, even non-Christians start pulling that one out. Um, what else do we think of when we think of Corinthians? You guys ever think of Corinthians? There's no right or wrong answer. It's what you think. Spiritual gifts? Uh, there is a spe- passage of spiritual gifts in there. Um, using the word um, um, that I will trans- that that gets translated as uh, manifestations or uh, uh, e- 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 gamaton. Uh, that's not how you pronounce that, but um, <laughs> but it's in there. Yeah. Yeah.
Absolutely, that's that's a great uh, great comparison. What we're supposed to be. Um, when Paul was in Ephesus, you remember that period of three years he spends in Ephesus. We talked about on Sundays. Uh, he spends about three years in Ephesus. Um, word reaches Paul of uh, three prominent leaders of the Corinthian congregation, and the church was being torn apart by quarreling and by. Um, dissatisfaction and uh, um, arguing against Paul's authority and and um, and worldly things starting to mix in, and so when he writes this letter, he's writing saying this is what the church should be, not what the world is supposed to be. So when he's writing in that first section. Uh, uh, one eighteen, um, yeah, division on the churches. Yeah, he's 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 arguing. We need to be different than the world, and so that's where he starts off his his his, his primary thesis in this book. As um, and argues against. Um, And we have the outlines. Now, he will be responding to different things he's heard or people have written him. Now, one of the problems we have in this book when we're trying to interpret it is if you go look in your scriptures, you, you'll see like uh, most of your scriptures will probably have like quotation marks around them on certain passages. Um, or indentations, like saying, you know, None of that is in the Greek. They don't have quotation marks. We have to infer, and there are different ways that that's done, I'm told. I'm not a Greek expert, don't get me wrong. I'm told that there are different ways that we infer how, where to put the quotation marks and where a passage ends and where Paul's quoting from another source. And there's some, um, But this does open up some place where people argue well is he arguing someone else's point here and then talking about his own point because he seems to contradict himself inside this passage at a couple of points and say well he's probably quoting here and then correcting it here but we have to make those decisions as you interpret so different if you'll read different English translations, you'll see uh, quotation marks in different places on some of them. Most of them have started to become pretty standard. But uh, some of them have different places where they put quotation marks because we some, some people disagree where to put quotation marks. I actually read an interesting article um, not too long ago about how we sh this, this lady th thought, because, and she listed all these reasons that I don't remember off the top of my head, <laughs> why she believed that there are certain passages that didn't have uh, quotation marks should have quotation marks, and what Paul was trying to do there based on the evidence that was arriving from archaeological evidence and stuff like that from um, Corinth. and um, It was an interesting article. I don't know if I agree with her, but an interesting article. I'm not a Greek expert, like I said, so I don't know. But um, it was interesting to read. And so... Um,
so when we read through this, you'll see different people argue this point. And uh, if you read different co uh, um, commentaries, you know, people telling you about it, people are going to differ on it. That's why I don't just read one commentary and think, oh, I've got it figured out. <laughs> the commentaries are people with their own biases telling you about the scriptures. And, uh, you know, I've got some great commentaries out there that, uh, and some of them are great, some of them are not so great. And um, There's no one commentary that's better than all the other commentaries. They're just commentaries. And so, um, but, uh, yeah, outline. Um, introduction, one through nine. Uh, verses 1 through 9, then 10, he starts on with a reaction, response to reports about the community at Corinth. Um, reports of fractioning within the community. Reports of immorality and, and arrogance and improper judgments and um, immorality being within the church. Um and then on 7 through 16, it seems to be a section where he's responding to questions from the Corinthians himself. He's responding about what you should do in different situations. And that's one of the reasons it's nice for us to read 1 Corinthians and be like, well, what about this? Now, some people argue that Paul's points of view are outdated. And um, culturally based, and some people argue, no, no it's it's always going to be this way, and that's something um, that I guess you have to decide for yourself. But um, what? Absolutely. But um, you know, a lot of people that argue against Paul in First Corinthians have to do with uh, his opinion on sex. Um, and uh, women in the church. And that's where the big issues come up. Because um, he does talk about marriage, divorce, and celibacy. He talks about food, idolatry, and freedom. He talks about worship, gifts, and order. He talks about resurrection and the life and the age to come. He talks about... Um, um, collections. He talks about different things. So he's um, um, Paul um, When you read 1 Corinthians, I guess we should start at the beginning. It, it says that he first commends them for uh, their reception of the gospel. They're divided, but they're, um, but they're, they're responsible, to, they're, they're reacting to God, they're accepting Jesus Christ at least. Um, 
he says, you are divided due to heading, uh, heeding human rather than divine wisdom. Listen, in other words, listen to man instead of God. We see a lot of churches go down this path, don't we? Um, and they've been trying to change this matter. They, um, they, it seems they've been trying to, well, they've been trying to change the message to meet the needs of the people. Um, I can think of a few pastors out there that, uh, and we can change, we can try to meet, the, I mean, we, our church programs, it's important that church programs change to meet the needs of the people. That's one of the things why churches tend to die off is because their programs don't die, don't change to meet the needs of the people. Programs need to change. Traditions need to change. The message can't change. The message has to stay the same. And it is a challenge. How do you change the programs without changing the message? That's one of the, the struggles of church uh, leadership, right? Is how do we meet the needs of the people and program without losing, without compromising the message? And Absolutely. Um, when you try to change the, the message to meet the needs, you've lost the focus. And we've seen a lot of churches go down this path. They say, well, we're going to change the message to make it easier for people to come in so it's not so hate, you know, hateful or whatever. <laughs> I like that, yeah. <laughs> Another, a different Jesus um, I read a, 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 a book once that talked about the, um, how did she word it? The false gods in the hundreds with the name, all with the name Jesus, <laughs> something like that. It was, uh, you know, we, we've, we've made Jesus into all kinds of different false gods, different Jesuses in every, every, every message. Um, because we try to change the, the message. And, um, and Corinth seems to be going down some of that path. And Paul is really harsh against them. Um, and most people don't have mu much of a problem with the book itself. Except for on certain issues. Um, sexual purity and what that means. That's been a big one lately. What does it mean to be sexually pure? Um, and then the, I think the biggest one that people argue about is, um, I don't want to go through the whole book. You guys can read it on your own. I hope you do. <laughs> yeah, see, no one has problems with the one body, many parts. Um, but I think the biggest problem people have is found in the end of 14, where it says, um, Women should, not, should, should be silent 
in the churches, for they're not permitted to seek, but they are submitted themselves as the law also says. If they want to learn something, let them ask their husbands at home, since the disgrace for women to speak in church. And um, this has been one of the places that have caused more arguments within churches. Uh, it's one of those places where we're not sure, is he, uh, this is one of those places where we argue about the quotation marks. Is he arguing against what someone else is saying? And he goes on to argue one way, because, or is he saying they shouldn't speak? Or does this have to do with the, 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 um, the church of uh, Venus or Artemis? Um, and they were, because they are the head priestess, and so they were converting, and they were trying to turn the church into the head priestess. And so there's a lot of arguments that happens over this. And, um, you know, um, I don't think we could get into all the different arguments just because they're so varied. And all of them have good points. You know? And um, so this is one of those things, you know, and what does it mean? A woman can't preach, a woman can't speak, a woman can, you know, a son, you know ask your husband, what about doesn't have a husband? What about, you know... There's all, all kinds of different issues that this brings up. Um, what about, you know, and, um, you know, was he quoting something that someone else has said? Now he responds to it in, 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 in uh, afterwards. Is this even the purpose? Uh, you know, he's, um, is Paul just being culturally, you know, pig-headed? You know, <laughs> um, there's different things that um, that people say about this passage. This, that one single passage has probably caused more people to argue from the in, in, within the church than any other passage. Maybe even in the whole scriptures, um, and, and especially in recent times. Um, yeah, what does it mean to have orderly worship uh, and and uh, and that, so that one right there has probably caused more problems. Um, I mean, there's some other places that people argue about in the scriptures, but I think that's probably the one that, um, you know, because no one really has issue with some of this other stuff, like spiritual gifts, you know? And there he says things like, if you don't use your gifts, you lose them. No one argues about that point. <laughs> uh, there's some arguments people have with what it means to have tongues. Um, that argument has really kind of died down. That was really a big argument uh, with the holiness movement that was in the 70s, 80s. Um, those kind of arguments have really died down. They're not as popular anymore. You have some people that argue about one way or another about that and all, but um, but the but the women you know, is is probably the newest thing that's causing more problems in the church right there. That's the biggest one.
Um, yeah, this one is yeah, definitely one that if you're not ready for, uh, if you're not really set on what you believe on this one, you need to avoid it. <laughs> um, interesting enough, um, that's not even the primary focus of that passage, <laughs> but it's the one that people grab a hold of. Um, you know, uh, that may be just the case. It might be. Uh, it might be one of those places where he's responding to a quotation. Um, I've heard a very strong argument for that case. I don't have a good answer for that. I do know that Corinth was a place that had uh, the best argument I've heard in, in this case was that the church of Artemis, the church of Venus, there was the priestess. And, and so the women would have been trying to control the, the church and they were used to and it was a way. But at the same time, Paul also does seem to say in other places that women shouldn't do certain things. And, uh, and there's a big argument there. Um, well, that absolutely does keep your head covered. Women shouldn't grow your, you know, what does all that mean? You know, is that cultural? Is that, all that stuff is in there. And it's, um, it's something we have to think about, you know. What about men? You know, right now, you know, that passage also talks about raising hands, lifted high. What about men who just sit there like this and praise God, you know? <laughs> are they, in, you, know, um, are, you know, what does that mean, you know? Um, do you have to raise your hands every time? You know, there's, there's the, the different ways you raise your hand. You know, there's the, I don't want anyone to see me. There's the TV. I like the TV. Pick up the TV. <laughs> there's the raise the roof. <laughs> yeah, right, touchdown. <laughs> um. <laughs> um. Well, anyways. And that's what most people do. They, they consider it, that's, that's for Corinth. It doesn't necessarily feel those. But at the same time, there's a lot of men that do. See, there's three, three, different, three different major camps, right? There's three different major camps when we talk about women in the church, right? You have the subjugationist, which is all women subjugated to men. There's the complementarianist who say, well, we're created equal, but we all have different roles. We are different people. We have different strengths, and God created us differently. So you're, you complement each other. And then there's the egalitarianist, which anything man can do, we, you know, women can do better. Uh, <laughs> um, and, um, and so those are the three views. And see, part of the problem we have today in our theological discussions, and I had this argument with someone, is a lot of the subjugationists claim to be complementarists. So they're, they're saying they're complementarists, but they're really subjugationists. And so a lot of the egalitarianists 
are not really egalitarians. They're actually complementarianists, but they're claiming it, but they, they get pushed out of the complementarianists because they're of the subjugationists that have pushed their way into complementary. And then you have the egalitarians that are going further liberal and feminist. And so, yeah, so the lines blur. And so you have these, but you have these three major camps as, as to where people sit and as they argue these points of view. I'll believe it. I didn't say not have opinion. If even if you read this, oh, I believe it. I've actually met several subjugationists that were. Um, ye, well, even more than that, like the 1800s. Uh, <laughs> um, the Catholic what? Oh. No. Sorry, I missed that one. Uh, I've tried to keep up with the 70s, but I, I missed it. <laughs> uh, it is a t it's a tough discussion, and it always causes problems, which, you know, because in a room this size, we probably have, you know, a third of the people that are, are, are you know, are, you know, at least complementarists, and then we have probably have some egalitarians, and we might even have some subjugationists in this room. And um, and and so it, you know, whenever you get people together, it's always one of those topics that's going to cause a problem. <laughs> Is that considered opinion? Um, well, how you interpret that passage is an opinion. Yeah. What he's saying is, I mean, if, if he says it right there, but what, how we interpret that? Um. Yeah, and it just depends on it depends on how you interpret that passage. Mm -hmm. That makes a big difference as how you read this, but it also you know what does that mean you know, and then how do we interpret that for today, and how what do we do? Well, yeah, that's another good question. They were. Well, um, the Bible started with some of it, and then some of it was um, got added on to it afterwards. It wasn't in the scriptures. 
And some of that was because of the, the way Jewish interpreters have interpreted the past in the Old Testament. Um, like the Rashi is very hard against uh, women, but uh, some of the others are not. Mm, at different time periods, yes. Um, like it does not, um, women as property ebbs and flows depending on the culture, the time period, the prosperity of the groups. A lot of it has to do with uh, military, like if you're, if, if during hard times women tend to be treated lesser because they need to be, as, as they become protected, they become, then they, there's more property values that happens and then they get traded as they get captured and, and, and stuff like that. So there's more proper, you know, slavery has a big part to do with that as well. And yeah. <laughs> oh, I agree. I agree. But, uh, um, well, I personally am a complementarianist. I believe we were created differently because we have different, I mean, even just our testosterone levels are different from the womb. That makes us different. And so we're, if we better at different things, and but... I don't know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm just, I, I was just, I'm just saying that different people have interpreted this passage differently and it's one of the problems that, that I don't want to go too far in that rabbit trail. I would like to go on to Second Corinthians. <laughs>
The man, the woman, no, the snake. Um. <laughs> all that was actually all about blaming God. The woman you gave me, it was the snake you made. It was all about blaming God. Um, all right, well, I don't want to go, I kind of want to, we kind of need to end that uh, discussion. It is a fascinating one, but... Um, um, We've actually be an interesting topic to just sit and camp at, and we could talk about the history of the different viewpoints. But, um, but let's let's go on to Second Corinthians. Uh, I, I would like to get through the Corinthians today. We got fifteen minutes. Second um, Corinthians um, takes place about a year after First Corinthians, and Paul. Um, writes to praise the Corinthians for their progress and also to warn them of new threats and prepares for a third visit to them. So in um, 2 Corinthians, he's writing to congratulate them. Hey, this is a much nicer letter to them. He's very pleased at what they're... What they're um, um, were there? Yeah. See, my slide that says outline got the the one with the actual outline on it got mi- got misplaced. Okay. Um, I don't know where that went to. Uh, all right. Um, about a year different in between. Mm-hmm. Well, it's. A he, he, well, he's very pleased at the reports he's heard. He's also left Ephesus, where, it, where he writes the first one in Ephesus. He writes the second one later, where he is going through a lot of other stuff. Um, uh, but yeah, it's about, it's about a year later. Um, and that, you know, like I say about, you know, that's... <laughs> Where did he write it? Um, we're not sure. We don't have that. Sorry. <laughs> um, there actually probably was even more than that. It seems like there was a steady flow of con- uh, conversations between this church. Yeah, verse whatever it is. Um, anyways, yeah, there's, 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 you know, but there very well may have been a lot of different letters between the two. Um, but we only have the two. 
so we can't know what's in the other ones. Other than when he makes reference to, but she seems to be happy about it. Um, he follows his normal planner, starts with introduction. Um, one through two thirteen, he expla- uh, explains his conduct. Um, as he's um, kind of seems like he broke a promise there, like he was supposed to go to, uh, because he went to Macedonia before he went to Corinth, and it seems like he broke a promise that he made to go to Corinth first. Um, but we don't have that in First Corinthians, so that was probably in one of the other letters that he wrote. Um, there's a cause for change of plans, though. In uh, 15 through 2, uh, 2, 2. But um, he does uh, um, I think by the time we get to 1 Corinthians I think Paul's reflecting a, uh, quite a bit about as I read it, it seems like he's, ri- he's reflecting on his own ministry as he talks to the Corinth. He seems to be, I mean, because I mean, think about what he, what's, what's in this passage. He's got, like, talks about his hardships and things he wanted to do and um, his joys and um, It just seems like at you know this is where his 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 thorn is mentioned. Um, it seems like as I read this, there's I mean, he's, he talks a lot about them and what some new threats and and stuff. But it seems that he's 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 in his life because it does seem you know it seems different. It's he's writing. It seems to be reflecting on his own life. I don't know. Maybe he's at the point where he's starting to realize that this can't go on forever. He's been chased out and killed, uh, you know, tried to be killed and ran in prison. And he's coming to this point in his life where he's realizing that this can't go on forever. I've already done three missionary journeys. and How much longer till I go to Rome to be killed? <laughs> um So this is, I mean, this is. But the theme of this passage does seem the way to glory is the way of the cross. Um, The way to true God was through the cross, through suffering. Suffering is evidence of legitimacy of his ministry. Um, Seems that um, 
If Satan ain't attacking you, you ain't no threat. <laughs> um, glory of our crucifix. Um, is in, in church history, one of the things that gets argued is um, theology of glory versus theology of the cross. Um, People want to pursue theology of glory. Christ is a means of self-betterment. As a pastor, I see this come into the church all the time. I want to go to church because I'm hurting or because I'm suffering or because I want to, you know, I want something out. I'm because I, it's a a way, you know, to make my life better. That's not what the Bible teaches. Fulfill life, absolutely. But it's not a way to success. It's not a way to power. It's, and the Corinthians church seems to be struggling with this idea sneaking into their church. As Christ is a way to, you know, make your life better. But Paul will teach theology of the cross. Which means pick up your cross daily and suffer after him. <laughs> it's not about making your life better. Um, and which is something that people, we struggle with, right? Um, and we see this all the time coming to church. You know, I, I see that all the time. People, the reason they come to church is because Something's wrong, and they want their life to be better. And which is great. I'm glad Christ has brought them in here. But Christ isn't a self-help book. If you want self-help book, go pick up a self-help book. <laughs> That's not what Christ is. It's not the gospel is so much more than that, isn't it? It's not about the gospel, it's about self-help. Oh, absolutely. Christ has come to set the captives free. He's freed you from your sin. There's a lot of self-help in there. And Christ will free you and will make life better, more fulfilled. But not necessarily free of suffering and pain and sorrows and... And, 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 and but when we, we turn... When we see that, that theology, that even in the Corinthians they were struggling with, that they wanted it to be, what do we say, that you know, Christ put the, the hedge of protection around me all the time? I would make that joke, you know, protect me from the hurricane that's coming. And Christ says, well, what are you still doing on the beach? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a nice view of the hurricane. Um, uh, yeah, um, we, you know, we, 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 the, the theology, Paul does preach the theology of the cross. Oh, oh, you know, the gospel, there's suffering involved with that. Uh, persecution, which he will face, and um, church in Corinth will face as they... Um, 
you know, as Nero, Paul will be executed probably under the reign of Nero, um, who, um, well, famously burnt the city down. It probably wasn't him personally, though. He, tradition holds that he played the fiddle while he was, while the city was burning down, and that's probably not what happened. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but. As things got bad under his reign, he looked for someone to blame, and and an easy target were the Christians because they were the new kids on the block, and um, and uh, they might have the right stuff, but they, they couldn't uh, they couldn't defend themselves, and so he would kill them. And, um, and, and uh, but he, that Nero's persecution wasn't the worst that they faced uh, under Domitian's. They probably had the worst prop, uh, persecution. Though probably more Christians are killed today worldwide than ever before. Um, Spurning because of the growth of that militant arm of uh, Islam. More nations. It's um, Voice of the Martyrs. Anyone get that magazine? Heard of them? I love Voice of the Martyrs. It's a great, you can go to the website. You can get a magazine. But any, every year they send out this map in one of their magazines that has like hostile nations, free nations for Christianity, right? And since I've been getting it, I don't know, I started getting it probably 20 years ago, more of that map has become hostile to Christians. Um, I wish I would have kept some of the early ones so I could show you the difference, but I threw them away because that's what I do. I don't clutter. But um, but as the military group of Islam has grown, um, more nations have become hostile to Christianity. So. Um, I don't know if it's becoming more hostile, just swinging back, not becoming so pro-Christianity. It's just not where we've been spoiled. I think that's really what it is. We've been spoiled. And... Um, Things are changing. Consider it a pendulum. It swings away from Christianity and it'll swing back. Well, but yeah, but that was relatively a fairly small history of the United States, even where Christianity was the primary thing that everyone was so and then but prior to that it would have been something you know in, in Europe where a lot of Americans that ideology came from was definitely not well it was pro-king <laughs> um, and so it's, it's just one of those things that it kind of we've been spoiled for so many years definitely and Roman Greek Orthodox philosophies that often argue against each other. <laughs> well, I'm not going there right now. Um, Anyways, we, we are out of time. Um, we'll do Galatians and probably Ephesians next, well, not next week. Next week we have the, um, 
worship night. So we'll have the worship night next week, and then when we get back after that, we'll go through Galatians and probably Ephesians and maybe even Colossians if I... I doubt it. But <laughs> there's always that possibility. Um, all right, so that's where we'll be when we get back. Um, any questions, comments, concerns, problems? All right. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Father God, I praise you today, Lord. I thank you for this wonderful time just to gather and together, gather minds. Uh, we pray that we are sharpened together as iron sharpens iron, Lord. We pray that, uh, that you will uh, sharpen our minds and help us to stay true to you as we, we look into your scriptures and we look to your truth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.